it came out in the conversation that she could not pray to God the Father, but instead insisted on addressing only the Blessed Virgin Mary. She was quite explicit on the point. It was no vague or merely implied thing. I made it clear to her that this was disordered. During the course of our conversation, it became evident to me that some very serious childhood wounds had produced this condition in her. She had a horrible relationship with her own father that had the effect of preventing her from approaching God the Father. I assured her that the Blessed Virgin was there to facilitate her relationship with the Eternal Father, and that in so doing, Our Lady could heal those wounds uh, as she grew in a loving relationship with God the Father. This might even help, by the way, to foster reconciliation with her own father. But she refused to listen. It saddens me that this poor lady is today no longer a practicing Catholic. Now, of course, we can pray for her and hope she does come back to the practice of faith. Um, While extreme, this depressing anecdote is a practical illustration that the authentic Catholic cultists of the Blessed Virgin Mary cannot be taken as a sort of spiritual matriarchy that prevents the Christian from having an intense relationship with the Father and his Son and through their Holy Ghost. So we have a relationship with the Father in his Son and through the Holy Ghost. And it's kind of an aside, but something that, that came to mind recently, I'm thinking of all the things that would be impossible to, to, to the Christian if, if the idea is that we can't pray to God, but we have to go, all of our prayers explicitly have to go through the Blessed Virgin. Um, in other words, I'm not saying that we, we don't approach God through Mary. I've, I've clearly established that already. The, the error that I'm dealing with here is that some people seem to think that now, now therefore, we do not address the persons of the Trinity. Yes, it's an extreme error. Yes, it's, it's an odd error. It's, it's not too many people, I think, are, are plagued with it, though I do think that there are some people who just don't know enough and are confused in the point. Um, our Lord says this in John 16, And in that day you shall not ask me anything. Amen, amen, I say to you, if you ask the Father anything in my name, he will give it to you. Hitherto you have not asked anything in my name. Ask and you shall receive, and your joy may be full. That your joy may be full. These things I have spoken to you in Proverbs. The hour cometh when I will no more speak to you in Proverbs, but will show you plainly of the Father. In that day... You shall ask in my name, and I say not to you that I will ask the Father for you, for the Father himself loveth you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came out from God. Now, it's kind of funny. We're going to ask in our Lord's name, and he's not going to ask the Father for us. Why? Well, because we're a member of the Son, right? So the Christian life is fundamentally Trinitarian. We are members, if we're part of the church, we're members of his mystical body. We are members of the Son. And when we pray to the Father, it's always understood that we're doing so as his beloved children, as his Son, as members of his Son. We pray to God the Father that way in the Holy Ghost, right? So this passage from St. John is from John 16, 
which is the last of three chapters in which St. John gives the discourse of our Lord after the Last Supper. There's an awful lot of information packed into this, and it's very, very rich. I mean, even those few verses that I read have a lot in them, but we're talking about three whole chapters here. Um, But this is where we get this sublime explanation of the indwelling of the Holy Trinity in the souls of the just. So this is this is the um, crux. This is the, the essence of the Christian life: is the in, the indwelling of the Trinity. The Christian life is trinitarian, and we, how do we reach the, the Trinity? Through Jesus Christ, who is the way to the Father. Right the, through the sacred humanity of the God Man, we access the Trinity. Now. Jesus came to us through the Blessed Virgin Mary. It, 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 Mary is perfectly Trinitarian. Her, uh, she is the perfect daughter of God the Father. She is the worthy mother of God the Son. And she is the faithful and the fruitful spouse of God the Holy Ghost. It's very clear in the Annunciation scene, as it's related by St. Luke, that the Blessed Virgin Mary bears these relationships with the three divine persons. She's perfectly Trinitarian, you might say, because she has these relationships with each of the persons. And Jesus comes to us through her, right? The Son of God becomes the Son of Mary. That's how we get the sacred humanity, which is that vessel through which we approach the Father in the unity of the Holy Ghost. So it stands to reason that as the Blessed Virgin Mary was the the matrix, huh? that thing out of which came Jesus' sacred humanity, she is the matrix, uh, which, by the way, is etymologically related to the word for mother, um, and etymologically related to the word for matter. So she's kind of the matter of the incarnation, and she's the mother of Christ, and she's our own spiritual mother as well. So she has a positive role in our salvation uh, at the, from the moment of the incarnation on through our Lord's public life all the way to, to her uh, most holy death, but including you know at all the key moments of our Lord's life, especially at his holy sacrifice on the cross, where she assisted with St. John when others had fled. Huh? And um, it's there at the foot of the cross that she kind of gives birth to us, her uh, sinful children, whereas her birth to Christ was painless. Uh, her birth to us was painful. She's suffering the agony of the cross. And uh, when, when, when the sword of Longinus pierced the sacred heart of our Lord, um, then Simeon's sword pierced her own heart, and she felt that wound uh, in, her, in her own heart. Christ was dead at that time on the cross. Um, and our, but Our Lady felt that in a way he couldn't because his soul had already left the body. So um, Our Lady clearly has a special relationship with us, but it is to foster the Trinitarian life in us. So the what I'm arguing here is not that we don't go to Jesus through Mary. That's the whole logic of the consecration. What I'm pointing out is that Mary serves only to intensify our relationship with Jesus Christ and to intensify our relationship with the Blessed Trinity, not in any way to diminish it. And therefore, we ought to all frequently right, speak and pray to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Ghost. Okay. Um, all right. So, um, 
In a less extreme form, I have detected a certain confusion bordering on error among some who practice total consecration to Jesus through Mary in the manner prescribed by St. Louis Marie de Montfort. The nub of the issue centers on this point. Whether one should, in order to practice true devotion, pray only to Mary and have her intercede uh, for us to God, or whether we may and should continue to address ourselves to the Holy Trinity and to the divine persons singly, right? So to the Trinity as Trinity and to the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost as individual persons. You're listening to Reconquest on the Crusader Premium Channel, part of the Veritas Radio Network. This is Brother Andre Marie, and this is episode number 357, How to Pray If You're Consecrated to Mary. Um, so, so I've asked the question, now, just as some questions are answered in the asking, it seems to me that this confusion is dispelled uh, by its merely being articulated. Of course, the true devotee of the Blessed Virgin Mary not only may but must continue to address the Trinity and the distinct persons of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost and his prayers. So I'm going to approach this uh, in two parts. I already kind of gave you the structure here, but I'm going to I'm going to give several reasons why it is that we ought to do this. Um, some of which are going to kind of be negatively stated, like if 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 we don't do that, then this this happens and this is incongruous. Uh, but I want to try at the end to to kind of state some certain th- aspects of this positively. Um, as to how it is that Our Lady does enhance our relationship with Jesus Christ and with the Holy Trinity. So, here I have, I think it's seven reasons, a perfect number of that. Yeah, seven reasons uh, to support the assertion, which is, of course, the true devotee of the Blessed Virgin Mary, not only may, but must continue to address the Trinity and the distinct persons of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost in his prayers. Reason number one. First, our Lord taught us to pray to the Father. The prayer called the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father, is a fundamental part of the of Christian prayer. In the Roman Mass, the Our Father, and of course I'm speaking of the traditional Latin Mass, the Our Father is recited with a lovely introduction, which translates as follows. Taught by thy saving precepts and guided by the divine institution, we make bold to say, and then follows the, the Our Father, either sung or recited. Now, that, that we make bold to say is audemus dicere, that audemus, we, we dare. Um, but <clears throat> it's etymologically related to the English word audacious. Um, we make bold to say or we dare to say. And w- w- let's just pause there. Why do we dare to say? Why is it audacious of us to call God Father? Well, we only do it because we're admonished by Jesus Christ to do it, and we can only do it because we've been supernaturally adopted uh, 